still coming from my mom's basement once Same. again. <laughs> we are here to give you guys the MMA weekend recap. Thank you for joining us once again for this beautiful, beautiful episode of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Episode number 149. We're one away from 150, another milestone down. That's well, crazy. Hopefully. So when we make it to Friday. <laughs> Right. But uh, Dominic, it's been a good weekend. We had two different cards, both, you know, Bellator coming in at the high ground. Mm-hmm. They were the ones with the final four of their Grand Prix going on. UFC having one of the worst cards on paper maybe they've ever had. You know, Bellator swinging things in their favor this weekend. However, yes. I kind of think both cards just ended up really performing good. So yeah. it ended up being a great week for MMA. But how was your weekend overall, my friend? It was a good weekend, man. Uh, as you said, uh, two good fight cards. The UFC's week on paper delivered in the octagon, which is what we care about most. Bellator, we had the Grand Prix go down, which is a big deal. We're going to get into that later. Uh, but it was a good weekend. Got to spend some time with friends, family, a little going away party for our good friend Nick. I know he's not the biggest MMA fan, but we have had it grow on him a little bit <laughs> over the summer. So uh, mm-hmm. shout out to Nick, of course. And, uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. I know you're home visiting your sister. It was her birthday. How was the celebration? Are you ready to head back to your territory? It was good. Um, She turned 22, so uh, nobody likes her this year, right? Isn't that the saying? Nobody likes you when you're 22. (laughs) Um, But it was good to catch up with all the family. Haven't been home since uh, Father's Day, I believe, back in June. So it had been a while. Uh, but I am, you know, ready just to get back into my routine back in back home. And, um, you know, I'm I hate to drive, but once I get there, I'll be, <laughs> yeah, I'll be I feel happy. that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And besides that, I'm just excited to talk about these fight announcements with you, Dom. Let's do it. No, I'm going right in. <laughs> we only got two this week. It's a little shorter week as far as news. Obviously, Friday got, you know, we've had a couple episodes of pretty full yeah. news. So, um, a little bit back down to earth, but we start with Bellator. Bellator 271, headlined by Chris Cyborg, has got a pretty big bow added to its card, and that's because Aaron Pico, the phenom, mm. is going up against a tough test, though, in the 12-0 undefeated Justin Gonzalez, looking to go 2-0 in Bellator. Dominic, Justin Gonzalez has a win on the Contender Series, got a win in yeah. LFA. Yeah, um, This is no slouch. We know the potential of Aaron Pico. It's all been about putting it together. He's on a four-fight winning streak. But I I think this is, you know, I didn't know who Justin Gonzalez was off the top of my head when I saw the announcement. Mm -hmm. So my gut reaction was what Bellator has done a lot with some of their bigger stars. He was going to be this guy that was unremarkable. Right. And just going to be another win for Aaron Pico to build him up, considering he's had a couple faltering moments in Bellator. However, turns out he's kind of a stud. He's a big so deal. We get a, we get a great fight here. and uh, Not an easy one for Pico at all, but up, obviously he probably should and will be the favorite going in. Yeah, this should be a very interesting fight. Pico's always in exciting ones, whether he's winning or losing. Justin Gonzalez, as Noah said, kind of the um, lesser-known guy, but a guy that's undefeated 12-0, been in LFA, been on the Contender Series, has his debut win in Bellator. I mean, this guy looks like a legit prospect here, and this is going to be a very fan-friendly bout. I don't doubt that for a second. Mm -hmm. Following that, that's on November 12th, by the way, Bellator 271. A day later, 
be on Saturday, November yep. 13th. Got a big fight, big fight. Very excited about this one. Added to that card, Miguel Baeza is back. More Baeza. He is looking to overcome his first professional MMA loss. But it's not going to be easy, Dominic. Mm-mm. He goes up against Chaos Williams with dynamite in his hands, and he's looking to bounce back from, I believe, a two-fight skid that he's on now. So, yeah. Dominic, this fight should be fireworks. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, I I wanted to venture out and say, oh, this has the fight of the night written on it for this card, but it's headlined by Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. <laughs> so uh, this is going to be a great fight, though, by Aza. Well, both guys looking to bounce back, but we're big on by Aza. We're big on Chaos Williams. He's a guy that uh, has shown that one-punch power, get in, get out real quick, but he has shown a bit of an evolution. He's fighting a little bit smarter, a little bit more patient, and then can still look to land the big shot. I'm excited to see how both those guys will clash in the cage. Yeah, both of his knockouts over uh, Matthew Semmelsberger and then Abdul Razak Al-Hassan were just... Brutal. I mean, didn't even look like he was putting a ton behind those shots, and it just folded both of them like yeah. they were nothing. Insane so, power. You know, Baeza has shown he can take some punishment, so I don't expect a one-punch KO from either guy here, but um, a fight that's going to be a war nonetheless. And Oh, yeah. Big, big implications in terms of, you know, these are guys that are both prospects. Chaos Williams, Dominic, you might not even know this at this point or remember this, was in our uh, final four for uh, Newcomer of the Year for our first ever Joey's last year. Good point. So even though he's kind of, you know, came back down to earth, if you will, you know, he's, you know, I think it's a two-fight losing streak he's on now. But don't sleep on him, guys. You know that's yeah. why he that's why he rose in the first place, like the Phoenix. Um, but Miguel Baeza is a tough fight, and I'm so happy that those two are getting placed against one another. Fantastic fight! And that's it for the fight announcements. And we really don't even have any other news for you guys, so we're just no. jumping straight into that Bellator light heavyweight Grand Prix. And so, Dominic, the funny thing about this, ooh, look at that nice little ticker. Look at that. We're just, we're just really taking this thing to the next level, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, Spotify and Apple listeners are just like, what's going on? Come, come over to YouTube real quick if yeah, you want to. <laughs> Help the algorithm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what's funny about this, Dominic, is when I made this the headline levels to this, I actually did it for the main event because the main event saw Vadim Nemkov retain yeah, his Bellator light heavyweight title by submitting Julius Anglicus in the fourth round, four minutes, 25 seconds in a showcase for Nemkov for sure. Oh, However, yeah. I ended up including our co-main event under this because levels to this is the famous words of our winner, Corey Anderson, when he took out Johnny Walker. And then in this fight, he TKOs Ryan Bader 51 seconds around number one. 50. So, we're going to give a chance to talk about both these fights. Now, let's start with just the performances themselves. Mm-hmm. Both, in my opinion, fantastic performances, but in different ways. Yes. Nemkov gets dropped in the first round by Anglicus. Very, very quick, you know, not, not too bad, but does get dropped. Yes. However, and this was a note going in, even Anglicus admitted this. He said that he felt his skill set and Vadim Nemkov's skill set aligned with one another's like they're very similar in what they're good at mm-hmm. problem is is that Vadim Nemkov is just kind of better at all of that than Anglicus is at this moment and that's shown through here 
Anglicus was definitely capable of winning this fight. He was never really out of it. However, after being dropped, Nemkov just kind of kicked it up a notch, and the rest of the fight yeah. was very much showed why he's the champion. And, you know, this was a tough fight for Anglicus, so no disrespect to, to his performance here, but I'm just going to have to climb his way back. Then you got the coming event, Corey Anderson, Ryan Bader, a fight that I thought would be the more competitive of the two. No kidding. Corey Anderson. <laughs> Hurts Ryan Bader with basically every shot he threw and just pounced on him literally as soon as he could and refused. He was relentless with the ground and pound and got the fight done in 51 seconds. It was quite something to behold. So, two different, you got a round four submission, a more drawn out conclusion that might have been just as obvious as it was in round one. Yeah. Then in the coming event, you got very swift justice. (laughs) So, Dominic, what were your thoughts on the winners here? And we'll get into more of the now you got your title fight set for the the, the yeah. finals of the pre between Vadim Nemkov and Corey Anderson. We'll talk more about that after you give your thoughts. You know, Vadim Nemkov really is that guy. <laughs> he, he's a very good fighter. He's a world class striker, and the fact that he can pull off a Kimura and not only that, but do it in round four of the championship rounds that's very impressive to me. Faced adversity early in the first, as Noah mentioned, uh, and Gleekus landed a big hook that dropped him real quick. Um, flashed him down, but he gets right back up, dominates the remainder of the fight en route to the finish. Uh, the the kickboxer getting that, showing off his jujitsu, quite impressive. And then Corey Anderson. Can we just – I mean, this is such a feel-good story mm-hmm. for Corey. Seeing these two UFC veterans go face-to-face that never fought in the UFC uh, and now in a semifinal fight to make it to a championship against Nimkov, a million dollars on the line in that title fight or in the uh, finale fight. And he just looks amazing. We were talking on Friday how, you know, I thought he was going to look to wrestle. I thought he had the wrestling advantage, even though Bader is a fantastic grappler. We thought Bader had the power advantage. Eh, well, we're idiots, apparently. Corey Anderson <laughs> lands that right hand, drops Bader immediately. And the way that he pounced, he looked as hungry as ever to get that victory. He was showing that, you know, the finishing prowess. His ground and pound was brutal. He finished it with an elbow that really had Bader turn his back and you knew it was over then. So fantastic performances from both semifinalists. And like you said, no, let's get into this finale a little bit without previewing it when we get it later. But man, a Corey Anderson, Nimkov, that's a very interesting fight. One that at the beginning of the Grand Prix, had you predicted them to match up, you think, eh, Nimkov, he's just levels above all these other guys. But now all of a sudden, this is a very interesting championship fight. Well, I think all that you just said might answer my question here, but you're right. It is a very intriguing bout, and Corey Anderson's performances up to this point have only solidified that. I My complaint about Corey Anderson in Bellator on Friday, not really a complaint, just a observation, Yeah, was that I felt like his competition so far hadn't really prepared him for a Ryan Bader matchup. He had fought um, Melvin Manhoof in his debut, Great, dangerous fighter at one point in his career. Not that guy anymore. Right. Then in the first round of the Grand Prix, he fights Dovletzon, uh Dogshi. Wait, uh, I can't remember how the the last it's, name goes. It's Ham, Hamshi Muradov or Damshi Muradov. I forget how it goes. It's a very long last name. Yes. But again, a pretty unremarkable fighter in Bellator. You know, kind of one of those middle-of-the-road guys. Corey Anderson beat him pretty easily. Yeah. But Ryan Bader, the heavyweight champion and the former light heavyweight champion, and 
you know, I know these two, obviously they've crossed paths in the past. They're a big talking point was the sparring. I guess they were former yeah, yeah. Uh, training partners, um, you know, Corey Anderson breaking bro code in the, in the fight world and was saying how much he used to hurt Ryan Bader and sparring. And well, you might've been right about it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to like that. He said it, but I don't know. <laughs> it, looked, it looked pretty legit to me. Regardless, though, Dominic, the question is, you know, coming in, we had big names on this Grand Prix. Yep. Rumble Johnson and Yoel Romero were stealing the headlines, you know. Both guys end up having to be removed from the Grand Prix. So despite some of the chaos in getting to this point and some of those big names, intriguing names, having to be removed – is this Vadim Nemkov Corey Anderson finals matchup one that Bellator can really be proud of and be excited for? Yeah, I, I think it really can be. And I think all you got to do to prove that is go look at the pre- post fight presser. Scott Coker, president, CEO of Bellator, says the winner of Corey Anderson Vadim Nemkov is the best light heavyweight in the world. Jan Blahovich may have something to say about that, Scott, but I digress. Uh, I think that does show how excited they are for this fight. I think fans are excited for this. Uh, Corey's always been a guy that's not necessarily fan-friendly, but he's not a guy that gets into controversy. He has good wins. He has fought elite-level guys, and people respect that, I think. There's a respect for Corey Anderson. Vadim Nemkov, lesser known to the broader audience as compared to Corey, but to the Bellator hardcores, they know how good he is. We know how good Vadim is. And I think it's a very intriguing bout, uh, one that you would think striker grappler, but then you look at what Corey just did, and you look at what Nemkov just did. Nimkov it's like, wait a minute. This is a pretty uh, even matchup on paper. I'm very excited for it. And, uh, yeah, I think this is one that Bellator can be happy with, one that we can be happy with, and one that the fans can be happy with. Yeah, definitely striker grapplers. Uh, under That's out the window. This fight. <laughs> yeah. That's out and, the window. Um, yeah, so I'll be very excited because those are two very – the guys have really made themselves well-rounded fighters in their performances. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the UFC. So a card again that, you know, not to harp on – we know that, like, I'm just happy this card was able to still go through. You have a lot of fighters depending on this 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 date for that check and everything, so – Happy that it still went through. I'm not going to harp on, you know, that it was a bad card on paper because ultimately what we got, Dominic, was another card that overperformed. Yes, we did. A lot of good fights on here. However, if if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that headline. Main event not really being one of the reasons for it. As Mm -hmm. um, your main event saw Norman Dumont get the biggest win of her career over Aspen Ladd, the number three ranked women's bantamweight contender. Via unanimous decision, despite, of course, being a five-round fight at women's featherweight. Yep. So I'm struggling, again, as I struggled to preview this fight, because at the end of the day, Dominic, we just don't know what the implications are here. Exactly. There's not a lot of direction. And if we had Dana been at the post-fight press conference, maybe we would have had more direction here. Right. We're probably going to have to wait till Tuesday. Because now he loves talking after Contender Series. He doesn't talk anymore after damn fight nights. I know. So we're just going to have to kind of wing it here and kind of just do what we did on Friday and sort of just assume a direction. So a question for you off the top. 
based on Norma Dumont's performance here, was this enough to earn her a title shot against Amanda Nunes at women's featherweight? If it wasn't women's featherweight, no. It was not enough to earn a title shot. But it was at women's featherweight. Um, And now she's on a three-fight win streak at the end of the day. The two wins prior to this, uh, much more convincing. Maybe they weren't the same name value as an Aspen lad who was ranked third in Bantamweight, but the performances were much better in those. But she proved she can go five rounds, which Amanda Nunes doesn't really ever go five rounds, but still, she proved she has a gas tank. Uh, she did good things. She fought a very smart fight at the end of the day against a good fighter in Aspen Lad. So, uh, again, if it wasn't for this being women's featherweight, that isn't really a division, and there are one-off title fights, she's the only one riding a three-fight win streak. She gets a main event slot and comes up big on a short-notice fight against a good opponent nonetheless. So I still think she's next up for the 145-pound title, I would think, after Amanda and Juliana settle their business in December. I appreciate that sentiment, Dominic, but I think you are completely wrong. Oh yeah, I think this was the nail in the coffin. I think this is it, guys. Um, look, I like Norma Dumont. I, I've said this. I, I enjoyed some of the fights she's had up to this point. I really look forward to seeing what she does at women's bantamweight if she so chooses to do that in the future, and I hope she does. This fight sucked, and yeah. both you know both participants. I get it. There's a lot going on because, of course, Norma. You have a quick, uh, late change to the opponent. You know, Norma preparing for Holly Holm. Now she has to prepare for Aspen Lad on like a week. Aspen Lad taking a fight on a week's notice after having such a horrific weight cut mm-hmm. prior. And that was kind of my first thought. Well, actually, I won't talk about Lad yet. I'm going to stick with Norma here. Stick so with your girl. Norma being the winner. Ultimately, this was just a bad fight. And even though she won, it's not a good performance. It's not the kind of stamp you need. Right. When you're already kind of unsure, at least I'm assuming for the UFC, you're unsure if you really want to give her a title shot. Mm-hmm. Like Norman Dumont needed to come in here and show that she could – potentially test Amanda or offer something like, right. Is anybody really, even before this fight, like if Amanda does got booked against Norma Dumont for women's featherweight title, nobody's going to think she's going to win, but at least like you look at Juliana Pena, she's at least done something that offers some sort of resistance. Like you could at least entertain the idea that she might be able to pull something out. Maybe she will. Yeah. But a lot of that was because of the performance that led her into getting that title fight. Here, Norma Dumont didn't really show anything, in my opinion, that would offer that. She's going up against someone who was a a newbie to the division and didn't really really look to find a finish or, you know, style on her or anything. If anything, I think that this wasn't so much a Norma Dumont win as it was an Aspen Ladd loss. Yeah. So, yeah. Dominic, I think you're just going to have to accept that the fight after, if Amanda Nunes defeats Juliana Pena, as, uh, Amanda Nunes will be fighting Valentina Shevchenko a third time. And <sighs> as much as, uh, yeah, like you just scoffed at it, as much as <laughs> we haven't liked it, I'm starting to almost in- like the idea of it because these other fights have no, I have no interest in. I have no less interest. Right. seeing Amanda Nunez fight Norma Dumont. I have less interest in even seeing her fight 
I don't know who who's next. If Aspen Ladd had won, I would have had less interest in watching her fight Aspen Ladd at bantamweight or featherweight. Like, yeah, the, uh, nobody's stepping up here. So fine, do it again. It's fine. I they have some they have won me over by simply the rest of the heap <laughs> being unremarkable yeah. in their performances. Yeah. So I'm a little obviously I'm a little frustrated by this, but let's talk about Aspen Ladd. We need to, yeah. Yeah. And then the question I'm gonna pose to you and let you talk about how much has this last month or last couple of weeks or however long it's been, how much has this really hurt her not just in this fight, but moving forward? Yeah, if there's ever been a bad month in UFC history for a fighter, this is up there, especially for a number three ranked contender in Aspen Lad. You know, she has fights fall out with Macy uh, Chasson twice, once because of Macy, once because of her missed weight cut. Uh, and then she comes up here. She's already had issues with weight cutting in the past. Now she's at featherweight. People are scoffing at it, saying, why are we rewarding her for giving her a main event after she missed weight? Dana's argument is fair. It is up a weight class against a good opponent. I'm not – take it with whatever you will. But the fight itself, she showed nothing. Her cornerman was begging, pleading for her to do anything, something in this fight, and nothing was ever to come of it outside of some clinch control in the cage that ultimately maybe won in the fifth round, you know, or it did win in the fifth round, I guess, on the judge's scorecard. So uh, at the end of the day, this is a this month does hurt Aspen a lot for her future. Uh, I don't think we're going to ever see her at featherweight again, especially if we use Noah's model and the division just won't exist. And if for bantamweight, we gotta you gotta prove that you can make this weight healthy and safe. You know what I mean? So like, she's still going to be ranked number three come Tuesday morning at bantamweight, I think. But are we ready to kind of throw her back into like a top five competition or even someone like Macy Chasson? I don't know about that. So as big as I am on Aspen. I'm, I'm definitely a little less so after this performance, which is unfortunate. She's still so young into the game, so maybe she can dial it in here. We'll see. But, yes, this month very much hurt her near future and maybe her long, uh, long-ran career as well. Yeah, I mean, once again, I'm, if there's one positive for me and her losing this bout at featherweight is that people can stop acting like her moving to featherweight was some good career move. Right, yeah. Are you guys crazy? I mean, there's <laughs> – I can't get over that people think that – that. I mean, it, good for her health. Can we say how she's never looked better yeah. weighing in? She looked fantastic weighing in. Yeah. And, again, that's that's kind of the problem is – so when I'm watching this fight and I'm like, why is Aspen Ladd not doing anything? My first thought goes, well, she did have two weight cuts, you know. And yep. One was went yeah. really poorly. But then I looked at how she looked on the scale and she looked great. She looked fantastic. So I don't really think I'm going to give her that excuse here. Like I just, yeah. ultimately this was a bad performance and there's plenty of reasons why it might've been. And I know she had a lot of pressure on her going in here and a lot to kind of, you know, on her shoulders maybe to overcome. We acted like how this was a, you know, a big fight for her to try to repair maybe her image in some ways or mm-hmm. uh, salvage whatever she could of what was left of kind of her hype. But she comes in and has a pretty subpar performance with the fighter that while I've enjoyed her fights and I think you would say the same, yeah, doesn't quite have the respect of the audience to, you know, that's comparable to being a number three ranked fighter in a division. 
Mm-hmm. So long term, this is going to be tough for her. Honestly, Dominic, I wouldn't be on board with it if the UFC did, but she might be staring being cut in the face. It's not, not out of the realm of possibility. Being not being cut in the face, but not just, literally she cut, is staring. Yeah. <laughs> she is staring the the concept of being cut. Pause in the face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, which is not funny. I mean, it's it's ultimately not something that I think they should do. I mean, I do think Aspen Ladd has a lot of talent, and I would like to see her continue to prove that and potentially earn a title shot, but. Can she make the weight consistently a band weight? I don't think if it's not in her best interest health wise, if she's gonna always just look that bad coming in, right? Then I don't want to see it. And ultimately, that means that she might just have to leave the UFC and go find other places, maybe PFL or wherever, where she can fill out more into her natural frame. Right. All in all. Long term, I think this has been one of the worst months in a UFC fighter's career. So I feel for her. I'm sure she's not, you know, I'm sure she's had better weeks, better months. Yeah, you got to sure be so gutted not. after something like yeah. this, man. So I feel for her. I do because I know I've been critical of her. But all in all, take some time, let yourself recover. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, in a few months, maybe over the next few months make a conceited effort to get a nutritionist. I don't even know if she already does. I'm just, yeah. it's worked wonders for a lot of people. Um, get that nutritionist, really try to to stop trying to do the legal cheat of the system and try to come in as heavy as you can into fight weeks. So and then you cut a lot of weight and then put it all back on. So you're like 150 pounds yeah. on fight night. Like I think a lot of people do that because it's it's legal form of cheating basically, but you see how she keeps looking on the scales. I'm not saying that's what she, that's the reason she's looking that way. Maybe it's just this getting 135 pounds is that hard for her, right? But I'm hoping that she could get that nutritionist, get to a more manageable weight for these cuts, and then she maybe she does fight a fighter like probably not Macy, but someone comparable. Yeah, and. You know, it's not going to be a gimme matchup, though, for sure. She's going to get someone who's surging, who's a tough out, mm-hmm. and she's going to have to prove that she can still hang at the top and hold on to that spot. And that's just the reality for her right now. So I think that she can come back from this, but it's going to be a climb. I couldn't have said it, or you couldn't have ended that discussion any better than that line right there. <laughs> now let's get into the co-main and feature bout. And the question's already in the headline, Dominic, is Andre Arlovsky does it again and gets the unanimous decision win over Carlos Felipe, as well as in our feature about Jim Miller wow. knocks out Eric Gonzalez in the second wow. round, 14 seconds in. Dominic, I saw Stag coming in to, uh, I believe, after we recorded, so I didn't say it on Friday. Coming into this fight, Andre Arlovsky and Jim Miller had a combined 72 UFC appearances. The rest of the card, they combined 73 UFC appearances. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. These two guys still doing it at their age. Even when you count them out, they still find a way to to keep going. 
And, you know, I know Arlovsky is kind of squeaking by a lot of these decisions. As much as I love the guy, like he's – he is definitely like – he's play, he's fighting really smart fights and able yep. to get past a lot of these, these younger, uh, less experienced uh, prospects. But Jim Miller, man, for being a guy that, the, you know, at one time – he's never fought for a title, never been a title holder, but at one time was like a perennial contender of the division – and he's just kind of hung around, the guy still shows so much talent. Like, he really could fight past UFC 300. No <laughs> you know, shit, right? Being honest. So I'm going to get to the question here in the headliner of fame. Dominic, do you think that the winners of both these fights, being Arlovsky and Miller, have they done enough in their career to cash that ticket into the UFC Hall of Fame? Oh, buddy, they had already done enough before this card, and now <laughs> they're just adding on top of it, baby. Their resumes are insane. The amount of competition they face, the amount of wins that they've gotten. That was Andre's 21st victory in the UFC. It was Jim Miller's 22nd victory in the UFC. So uh, these guys are absolute legends of the fight game. Ever since I was a wee lad, these dudes have been fighting. Andre was fighting in like 05 when I was seven years old. Jim Miller the same way. He's been on some of the big UFC cards of the day. So, And you know what's so cool about both these guys is they don't stray away from tough fights. They're fighting young, hungry lions now. That's the role that they're at in their career. And they have accepted it, and they have excelled at it at times. I mean, Jim Miller got a one-punch knockout last night. Jim Miller, a one-punch KO. You don't even see prime Jim Miller doing that that often. So to say that he did that was just so impressive, man. Andre put on a three-round performance as he's been doing, picked his shots. He looked good. He fought smart. uh, And he gets another win, man. So these guys, again, legends, OGs of the fight game. It's so good that they got to share this card together. I thought that felt really special. And the fact that they both won, icing on top of the cake. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that wins over Carlos Felipe or Eric Gonzalez are the thing to push them over to being yeah, Hall of Famers, right. but I do think they have good cases. He, I mean, Arlovsky is a former heavyweight champion, but even Jim Miller for being a guy that, I mean, has he probably has even more fights than Arlovsky in the UFC because Andre yeah, left the UFC for a few years. That's what makes his story even more remarkable. He got cut. Came back like almost like Robbie Lawler, and now he's still competing at a high level. While Jim Miller has just been with the company forever, like it's kind of crazy Crazy. how long these guys have been kept around. But I love it, and with wins like these and the way they looked in their fights, they're going to keep going. Exactly, and I see no reason to tell them to stop. Arlovsky, you know, is a guy who, uh, you know, for me, like Jim Miller has looked more consistently better. I would say. But Arlovsky, he's not getting, like, brutally KO'd anymore. This guy is fighting so smart mm-hmm. to where he really preserves himself. And that's just going to allow him to keep going for I don't know how many more years. But, you know, Carlos Felipe is not exactly the best win in the world, but it's somebody that has been very dangerous in the past. And, yeah. you know, he handled him pretty well here. It's just – Pretty remarkable what these guys are still doing. So I'm big fans of, you know, watching these two, getting to watch them on this card, and glad that they performed well. Yeah, man, it was awesome. Let's get into the rest because there's a, do it. Lot of, a lot of fights to go over here as well. <laughs> Mano Fior, one of Dominic's wow. favorite prospects. She gets to win over Myra Bueno Silva. 
be a unanimous decision. Dominic is top 15 next for the young French woman, Mano. She's damn good, isn't she? Such an elite striker, that karate style. That um, side, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but her side kick to the body. Oh, my God. How many times did she land that? It was crazy. Um, (laughs) I mean, it was there for the taking. She looked phenomenal. And I knew, I knew, and I said it on Friday, that this was going to be, this was a perfect test. Noah said this off recording. It was the perfect matchmaking to set her up for what's to come, for both women, really, because they're both very good. Uh, Myra Bueno Silva head high. I know she has a still a very good ceiling. Six out of her seven wins are via finish, all of them in the first round. She's very good. So to put up a three-round performance like this against a striker in uh, Mano was very impressive. And yes, I do think top 15 can be next. I don't know if it necessarily will. I don't know if she's going to crack in like Casey O'Neill just did a couple weeks ago. But if she doesn't, I think number 15, Montana De La Rosa, who just had to come out of a fight with Macy Barber in December would make a lot of sense if the timetables line up. Either way, I think if she's not going to get put into the rankings, she's right there on the cusp. Maybe one more fight and she gets in. But I think a ranked fighter next, regardless of if she has a number next to her name or not, makes sense. Oh no, I'm not asking. Yeah, not. I don't know. I don't. I don't like the idea of her getting a number next to her name without right. fighting someone to get in. Comparing her with Casey so much. Okay. Year. Yeah. Yeah. So. Manon, I just think definitely she needs to be fighting someone in the top 15 yeah. next. Give her a chance yeah. to earn that number. She's Myra Bueno Silva in high, even afterwards. Yes, it was a, you know, Manon won pretty clearly, but great matchmaking and that this was a appropriate test on paper and it performed similarly. It was yeah. um, a good test, but one that she passed every step of the way. And now I think there's nothing left for her, but top 15. Yeah. Nate Landwehr and Ludovic Klein, Dominic, you, you had a moment on Friday's episode with uh, another fighter on this card, Luana Carolina, where you called her Luana Carolina. That's right. And I believe that's probably how our winner here, Nate Landwehr would say that coming out of Tennessee, that's I right. love Nate Landwehr, and here with Ludovic Klein, he gets the submission win. Excuse me, and round three, two minutes twenty-two seconds in, this was the fight of the night. Uh, loved it. What did you think of this one? If Nate Landwehr's on a card, you might as well give him the fifty k check before he even <laughs> steps into the cage. If I'm being honest, he's always in these barn burner fights, but he really did look good last night too. Kind of put together a smarter game planning be a bit of a wild man sometimes. And it was still a fantastic fight. Don't get me wrong. But then to pull out a submission, I believe I heard him say on the broadcast plus 2,200 betting odds to win via submission. Someone was cashing checks last (laughs) night for USC Vegas 40, but hey, Nate Landwehr, man, he's always in fun fights. He was on a skid. He needed this win. And it's good to see him get back into the end of the victory column. Yeah. He was one and two in the UFC coming into this fight. So he was, you know, up against the wall a little bit because this is a guy that has a really good background. I mean, he was a former M1 Global featherweight champion, um, came in with a lot of prestige. And I remember his, uh, I believe it was his debut or his second fight, he fought Herbert Burns, and that's when, yeah, yeah, cracked. And he's he had a similar loss in his, uh, I forget who his second loss was to, but it was similar fashion, got brutally knocked out. So, yeah, he is a bit of a wild man, but when he does like what he did here where he he fights a little smarter but still very fun and very engaging mm-hmm. fight. Yeah. He is a dangerous man and one that I think the fans are really going to start to get behind coming out of Tennessee. 
Yeah, you don't see that much, man. <coughs> no, you don't. You do not see a lot of guys coming out of Tennessee. That's why I love it. <laughs> so then we got one more here. Bruno Silva, the come-from-behind TKO win. Andrew Sanchez, two minutes, 35 seconds of round number three. Bruno Silva is likely icing them nuts today. <laughs> the man took three crotch shots in this fight. Um, not pretty, but he does come from behind and get that TKO win. I believe Bruno Silva has finished like six straight UFC fights via TKO yeah. KO. So this guy is incredible on the feet, but Andrew Sanchez, man, this guy, he looks so good early in fights that he just I know, man. keep it up. He had the same, a similar fashion loss at UFC 257 against, um, was that Mahmoud Miradov, I believe? Yes, I think so. Um, Another one where he was very competitive early and then got finished late in that fight. So I kind of, that's what's kind of funny how I predicted this fight to go and just it happened almost like flipping a switch. And yeah, Andrew Sanchez is good. I want to see him get another fight, but. Bruno Silva, I'm I'm liking this guy. Sick. I don't know how many finishes in a row in the UFC, but it's a good amount. Yeah, and the the finishing sequence he had was just so crisp. The shots he was <clears> landing, man, every shot long, precise, powerful, technical, very fun fighter. I'm excited to see what comes next for him. And Andrew Sanchez too, a guy that's in these dog fights and looks good, as Noah said early. What is next to come for Andrew? We'll see. He's a tough alum as well. So, uh, yeah. It was a good night of fights, man, and that's what we wanted, right? When the cards look weak on paper, you just need them to deliver, and it did here. Take away the main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's uh, going to wrap it up here for our MMA weekend recap. Give us your thoughts on all these fights and even the Bellator Grand Prix and any of the fight announcements we talked about as well. We'll be back on Friday. we got a big main event coming up, but once again, <laughs> the rest of the cards looking – this one, but, but Paulo Fadum's Costa, too. yeah, Paulo Costa, Marvin Vittori might be yeah. will be fireworks, even though Dominic is still refusing to believe that fight happens until both yeah. guys actually it, it step will be Kelvin Gastelum, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, Fedor's retirement fight is coming up, so it's going to be a great week. Um, we'll see you guys on Friday. Until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Deasley14. More importantly, if you look above my head, if you're watching on YouTube, follow us, uh, the podcast, I should say, on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, it will take you to a link tree, Mm -hmm. which provides you a list of links to okay. all the platforms the podcast is on, along with social media platforms. So that includes. But is not limited to. But it kind of is. A little bit. <laughs> the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there, baby. Yeah. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out. Shout out to Anchor. Hands out of camera. Fingers out of camera. No fingers on this show. <laughs> uh, first link, leaving a voice message. Ah, that's that's a cool feature. Do it. Mm-hmm. And there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. Hmm. That's it. We're out. And we'll see you all on Friday.